basically this recentering process does the same thing for us and our lives. You'll, you may not like this analogy, but it's as does a road crew performing maintenance. How many pieces are behind this function that we occasionally find that announces its presence with signs on a road telling us of something happening that may cause delays or even a detour down the trail? Sometimes we are given advance notice as a moving light display is placed on the side of a road that we often take telling us of this upcoming date when delays might be present. And oftentimes, other than that, we, as it were, stumble on a work in process and it can be a smooth transition through the project or a delay that certainly didn't fit our schedule. How many pieces are behind this moment? While not covering all, a few. Uh, somewhere there is a function of government that has hired engineers to oversee what in its jurisdiction of responsibility <laughs> as their territory of accountability is reviewed within a hopefully timely schedule and repairs are designated as needful, the project is placed on a schedule and the pieces to that schedule are placed within a timeline for assignment to various trades and skills for doing the hands-on work that needs to be done. And in the best case scenario, everything comes together for a smooth operation that will result in traffic flowing smoothly. But often because of a busy schedule or an engineering department that is not too attentive, the project can almost be described as post-apocalyptic in nature. Have you seen any of those ever? The optimum is, of course, a governmental chain of command that is successful in maintaining a schedule of maintenance that catches potential problems in the early stages before they become catastrophic and they then are repaired with almost transparent efficiency and not calamitous upheaval. I hope you can sense a kind of parallel to our journey. The road, the bridge, or whatever can be equated with our lives and its many facets, especially the ones we speak about here are those having to do with social or family uh, components or something to do with our physical or financial lives, something that grabs our attention that needs repair work, maybe. In our perhaps contrived analogy, and I'll admit to that, let's see if we can make the shoe fit. While we have separated the various stages and, and aspects that first translated first into initially our need to acknowledge that something needs to be done, all the way down to the final touch of striping or landscaping, we are that entire constellation process that then forms consciousness that then becomes our life. It can all find analogous points of reference within mind, thought, that provides the interface with the God energy that is always flowing through us, and more important than that, it is always flowing as us. Remember, we are the creators of our own reality. Sometimes challenging to embrace, isn't it? especially when things seem to be running amok and the analogy that I have heard sometimes surfaces of one of a chessboard where the only piece we presently have left as we are playing chess is our king and the opponent is closing in. However, the truth we are learning tells us that even in this chessboard analogy, we are also 
the one often described as the opponent. Remember, there is nothing outside of ourselves serving as either the protagonist or the antagonist. Everything has its origins within our consciousness, within us. The semantic separation that we sometimes speak to is one that we have accepted as convenient, for it yet attempts to focus such things as total self-responsibility outside of ourselves. And yet there is nothing outside of ourselves. As the line from the poem Invectus by Henley would state, I, we, are the masters of our fate, the captains of our soul. So what does you might be asking? As the masters of our fate, captains of our soul, we are always using the tool of mind or thought with which to interface with the God essence of who and what we are. And the more our choices are based on correctly understanding the components of what we call spiritual principle, one aspect of which, of course, always has us firmly in the loop of this process and product, the more we are in the practice of simply allowing the basic nature of the universe to the quicker flow easily and readily into our lives. And again, what is the basic nature of the universe? The Unity book, The Revealing Word, has such words as love, peace, abundance, joy, and light. And in our analogy, and beginning with citing the best scenario to quickly and gently facilitate a desired outcome of adjustment or change via just a minor tweaking of the thought input that might have produced an unpleasant outcome, all the way to those occasions when through inattention uh, we have for a sign, a time, advocated our responsibilities in a spiritual sense as governmental CEO of our, of our lives and allowed things to blossom into a real challenge that frustrates the greater flow of life, abundance, and peace into our moments. Now, be it caught early or be it caught somewhere down the trail, we always can consciously retake the reins of spiritual CEO and return more quickly to the posture of allowing the energy of God's source to more easily transformationally flow, bringing its beauty and focus within a new vision, has provided for us an opportunity to review a more we are again consciously remembering that two plus two is four and not some other numerical product, uh, thus resulting in a valid foundation upon which all mathematically based processes can work more accurately within our lives. We're just touching on this as was from people who have embraced the belief system as a circumstance in your life, my life causes it to resurface but that in the past was never questioned will now trigger a different thought. And you will catch yourself saying, you know, I don't believe that anymore, or I am not that anymore, or similar. And hence a foundational area of consciousness will be challenged, and a more specifically accurate one brought into focus. The object, of course, is to no longer even have to go through that step scenario 
only more and more now, supporting within consciousness the truths that bring a blessing. You indeed are the master of your fate, the captain of your soul, for you are the very essence. You are the individualized essence of that which is pure God source energy. And consciously or unconsciously, you for you and me for me, we, you are the only one calling the shots as you fulfill in your life the role of playwright, of choreographer, of set designer, and more. So doesn't it make sense to be more mindful of what you are writing into your script? Remember, all thought within mind carries along with it a hitchhiker of emotion or feeling. If that is on the south side of neutral and approaching a negative something, that is your innate gatekeeper telling you that you will not like the resultant outcome from stirring around in this energy within practice. Now, anyone can believe, can believe exactly as they choose, of course. But please understand what now, in many people's thought systems, what has to be a reference to an anthropomorphic god, it, or if you still insist, he, did not orchestrate the closing moments of what we see as the transformational event that caused Jesus to move into the non-physical realm of life. Please note the non-usage of a certain word. Jesus didn't die, for death is a misnomer. He but consciously and purposefully caused a physical expression of his eternality to be transformed into a non-physical expression of his eternality. Some yet today equate the entire Easter story, which of course includes not only Easter morning and the week after, but the previous week that has as its apex Good Friday, as an almost first-hand reporting of an event that literally reinforces the beginning stages of the reconciliation between God and man that became necessary because the events of the garden that displeased God, which then caused him to send his only son into the world to painfully atone for what can only be described by us as a definition and understanding of a God that never existed in the first place. We have many of those in our life. Let's jump to the reconciliation thought, even though we have on deep. You don't need reconciliation with the one creative energy called God because you are that very energy. And any aspect of your expression of it, be it in a physical form or something else, any aspect of your God expression cannot turn upon itself. You do not need reconciliation you cannot turn upon the God identity that you are. You can never turn upon yourself. Yes, if it actually is a God made in the image of man with all of the tendencies for love and hate and everything in between, yes. If it is an energy not as Jesus described as spirit, but an anthropomorphic something that is to be feared, but it isn't that way. These prolific scenarios about God came out because of ignorance, not stupidity, ignorance. And for the most part, 
as they were cloned over and over again because they were never questioned. And they took on a life of their own and now have become the facade of control that sometimes is called the church. Within history, Jesus was one who tapped into a spirituality that was much greater. He tapped into it consciously than did his contemporaries. Now, they had the same God identity. It just wasn't on their priority list. And the same, of course, would hold true of many snapshots of the human adventure today. He did, I believe, what he felt compelled to do. And today, what little reporting of it we have, we call the life and teachings of Jesus. Unity further never uses the word savior, for you have never been lost. You know, if you don't need reconciliation, you sure as gee whiz don't need salvation. You have never been lost. Our level of self-acceptance of our God identity might need to be revisited now and then, of course. But our foundation in and as the essence of pure being is forever secure. Jesus is best thought of in our understanding as way-shower, as elder brother, as example, as, uh, but never exception. But the ball is always in the court of the individual, as ever-deepening depths of awareness are available, always to be birthed into one's life. So, Jesus, the consummate teacher, saw the unfolding of things surrounding his life and was fully aware of the likely outcome were nothing to change. Now, he could have gone away to so many places. Uh, he could have gone away to uh, visit and be a part of any one of the numerous contacts he had made over the years. He could have walked away and made the choice to use the upcoming humanly uneventful event. But he stayed so that it could be used to his purpose. Is there any doubt that he knew the ongoing reality of life? Is there any doubt that he knew that he wasn't the body he wore, but was spirit and eternal? Crucifixion was the means of capital punishment, of course, in his day. He allowed it to take place because it served a larger purpose in the message he wanted to leave as he addressed the last fear that his contemporaries more or less faced, the paramount one, and that was the fear of death. Did Jesus make his transition on the cross? Or like some have said, was he taken down and cared for and then allowing himself to be seen reinforce the message of the power of life? I really don't know, and it doesn't matter to me. So don't get embroiled in a message of religiosity that continues to this day to maybe tell a different story. Today, yet in the minds of many, we have a huge event component that wants to have as its main point of understanding that he, Jesus, suffered and died for you. Now, if that floats your boat, then run with it. But who then did he suffer and die for? Obviously, in that context, God, who had to have a level of pain and suffering in order for his ire to be placated, which we have just addressed. As you have heard before from this pulpit, Jesus not only knew that he wasn't the body he wore, but that he had complete control over it. 
So if there wasn't a God then or now who demands, demanded, demands pain and suffering, then neither did the awakened consciousness of Jesus. I believe he let the crucifixion go as planned, and he just simply shut off the pain that was there. Metaphysically, for this is the key to bring forth the idea of overcoming and mastery that Jesus taught through using the props of his day. The crucifixion represents the crossing out in consciousness of perhaps layers of belief that we may have allowed to become part of consciousness that does not conform to the understanding of God in us and as us that we are growing to know. It can be a step-by-step process of gently allowing onion-like layers of once-believed things to dissipate, or for some it can be a complete epiphany-like change that catapults one away from a structure of untruth into a plateau of enlightenment. You have had many of these, and they have brought you to where you are today. You have had many, or you would not be in this setting. Metaphysically, the cross represents the action of the crucifixion that crosses out beliefs that no longer serve us and allows them to fall into their native nothingness. How many moments of the cross, like, uh, like, the, like the metaphysics of crucifixion, have you personally experienced and probably uh, never have even really sensed a big monumentous happening in your life, but that something did. We cited what the review of our series will do in this regard. It will sense an old and probably previously unchallenged belief, probably beliefs, plural, and as the metaphysical cross idea is implemented, to simply and gently be able to say, I am not that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. This is the new me. But if you ever find yourself, as some do, using the symbolism of the cross to be behind, uh, you know, I'm being crucified by life. I'm being crucified by this relationship. And of course, you can choose to do that if you want to. It doesn't feel good, but that's your right. I'm being crucified by this or by that. Get off the cross. Somebody needs the wood. <laughs> now, in your process, you are the maintenance crew. You are the governmental agency. You are the one that can set forth in your task of thought, word, and action and deed the repair in consciousness back to the original truth of who and what you are and cause beautiful things to take place. You are that master of your fate and you are that captain of your soul. Rise in your own mind to the realization of this truth of who and what you really are and that will transform your life and your world. 